until for another 24-ish hours, I didn't know what really was wrong. Um, and if I'd be able to walk or bike or race bikes again. And amazingly, my doctor was like, oh, you can have a full recovery. And I was like, well, what does that look like exactly? Like, I'm expecting to uh, go defend this, like, 24-hour world championship title that I just earned. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah, you can probably do that. But I don't think that it's very common for that to be a goal when you shatter your pelvis. was Kate Boyle. Guys, welcome back. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be. Um, Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Stoke Podcast, where we dive into ultra endurance mindset and ultimately spirituality. What? Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, Kate and I had a great conversation about her journey through the cycling world. Um, I'm super excited to get into this episode. Please let me know uh, if you enjoyed it, if you have any recommendations on things I should improve on, right? Um, like I said, I'm, I'm still pretty new to this, so I want to make sure I'm giving uh, content to you guys that you enjoy and that you can gather good information from. Um, so before we get into it, uh, recently, uh, just raced my first marathon race in white tanks. So in Phoenix and it was good. I was kind of in a hole from, uh, the last Papago six hour, which was the weekend before. And so I felt pretty good besides, um, lap six, well, I guess lap five and lap six, I was cramping pretty hard. I could feel that my power wasn't quite there. Um, and I didn't really have like the poppiness I usually do. So um, it took a lot of mental strain to really push as hard as I can to like get to the finish. Um, and I was basically behind my teammate, Joe, um, and we came in to all out sprint which wasn't very fast into a sprint finish. And I ended up taking second. Um, Joe took third and uh, Cody Waite um, with weight endurance, he took first place and he was just so strong that day. So super fun. I'm getting back into it. Um, race season is getting close. Next month, Cactus Cup is right around the corner. So um, just dialing down my training, cutting back on the booze, um, getting good sleep. Kaya has been sleeping in her crib, which is huge. And she's um, actually sleeping like eight hours. Uh, she'll wake up at like 6.30. We'll get her to bed at 8 to 6.30. So, I mean, we've been, we've been lucky. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> guys, let's move on. Faraday Valley Rally is right around the corner. What is it? It is a sweet mountain bike event. Um, it takes place in Cottonwood, Arizona, um, where I am located. Um, I'm helping Greg coordinate this event. It's at Blazin M Ranch is where the venue's at. This old town western uh, venue. There's putt-putt. There's a 
pub. There's live music. It's going to be so fun. Where are you racing? Dead Horse State Park. And this is the first ever race that's ever been in Dead Horse that um, the National Forest has have allowed. So we're going through a lot of stuff to, to make sure that, you know, we we foster a good relationship with Dead Horse because Dead Horse, if you're not familiar, is so much fun. And so there's a 44-mile, a 30-mile, 15, a 9, and a 4, and a 2. So we got kids' races. We got intermediate races. We got competitive races. We got races for cash. Um, and you can find that on Bike Reg. You can find that on VerityValleyRally.com. Um, and it's called Verity Valley Rally. All right? Okay, let's move on, guys. Enough with me chatting. Let's get into the episode with Kate Boyle. She is a rock star. Um, we had such a fun conversation. It flowed naturally. And um, and Kate has an amazing life, and she's going to be doing some amazing things on the bike for 2023. So enough with the chatter. Let's get stoked. Let's get pumped. This is Kate How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so welcome to the Stoke Podcast. I'm excited you can join today. Um, Thanks. And are, I'm so you Yeah. Are you in Idaho? Mm-hmm. How long have I you am. been in Idaho for? Uh, well, I've been living up here for about five years. I live in the Teton Valley. So it's, uh, some people call it Whydaho. It's like right on the Wyoming border. Um, and I was living in Prescott, Arizona down before then, but I used to come up here to work every summer and winter. So nice. And was that a recent move? So five years. Yeah. So it was kind of recent. Um, yeah. Are you going to be coming to Arizona anytime soon to do some riding? Uh, that's a good question. I always do in the spring and it's just a matter of when, like at some, one point I was thinking I'd go in February, but now it's February. And then I was thinking March, but uh, some yeah sometime maybe march or april cool um yeah the weather is phenomenal but i guess my hometown is gunnison colorado oh cool and even flagstaff everyone's getting dumped on and mm-hmm. i've been super jealous of all the backcountry skiing photos and all the powder there's a lot of snow yeah <laughs> that's why i'm not leaving in february <laughs> i know it's yeah. like why would you leave when um yeah, the skiing is so great. Uh, so is that your kind of your pastime activity when you're not on the bike? Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because like when I lived in Arizona, I could ride year round and that has its perks. Um, but since being living up here full time, being able to ski in the winter just gives me such a good mental break and kind of recharges the, the batteries and my mine for riding in a way that like I never really knew that I needed and it's interesting because like I think I'd be really happy riding year-round but there's just something that's so special about being so excited to ride your bike because you haven't gotten to for so long and then as far as skiing goes like it's just I think it's really complimentary like you if you're back in your skiing like you breathe and move uphill and move in the mountains and there's like kind of a flow state of skiing downhill, similar to riding. And it's just such a different landscape. Like it fills my soul in a way that is just lovely. 
and I really loved. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And that's a good point too. Like, I think a lot of people in Arizona take writing all the time kind of for granted mm-hmm. um, and don't realize that, you know, like the love for writing can kind of dissipate if you're doing it every single day. And it's kind mm-hmm. of, we. I love writing and I, I mm-hmm. think I always will love riding my bike, but right. when, you know, it's negative 40 degrees and there's four feet of snow, you know, like the bike is sometimes not, not an option for most people in the United States. Arizona is super lucky to have that. So I miss kind of having that first say off season. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone, everyone, you know, in Colorado or uh, Wyoming or Montana, you know, they they say, oh yeah, an off season is really important. And it it is, Mm -hmm. but if you have nothing better to do, but to ride your bike, I mean, in Arizona, because I'm in Cottonwood, mm-hmm. when I was in Flagstaff, it was a completely different story because mm, you can right. kind of have an off season. Mm-hmm. But down here, it's like, hmm, okay, well, I'll just, I don't know, I got, I got a free break for four hours. I don't, I like running, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. fun to get out in the mountains and just explore on your feet. But man, I'll just get on my bike. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference between like the forced break, you know, and a mm-hmm. voluntary one. Yeah. And then voluntary break when you still got the bike is like, I just won't ride as much or as hard, I guess. <laughs> right. So, um, uh, and so I rode with Kurt, uh, like a month ago, not oh. even a month ago. Yeah. Three weeks ago. And so we kind of got to talking about <clears throat> the new, well, not quite the new, but the pivot backcountry team. Mm-hmm. Are you excited for this 2023 coming into it? Yeah, I'm psyched. Last year was our first year with the Industry 9 Pivot Pro Backcountry team. And it, at that point, was just this idea that we hadn't really seen done before. Like, you don't really hear of other pro backcountry teams as far as biker cyclists go. And so, but at the same time, Kurt and I had both been sponsored athletes doing what we do for a while, I guess since 2014 for me and probably 2010 or something like that for Kurt. And so we're like, well, we both have the support individually and the industry seems to see value in how we're riding bikes and how we're using our platform. So let's just make a team out of it since we had a lot, mostly a lot of the same bigger shared sponsors already. And they, both the sponsors have been psyched and the community has been really receptive and encouraging of it, the concept. Um, and I have some ideas about why, but it was just really affirming for, to come around into this next year and be like, wow, well, there's last year was a great success. And if anything, that just like gives us more affirmation and more energy and belief that what we're doing is a good thing to be doing and to be excited about this next year. Yeah. And, uh, for like listeners, um, is, the pro backcountry team, is it racing? Is it adventure? Is it advocate, ad- advocacy? Um, just for someone who yeah. doesn't quite know what's going on. It's all of the above. Um, like, I think that Kurt and I have found ourselves in this place where we race bikes and sometimes we race bikes really well. And sometimes we race bikes a little more casually and, but never, not a ton anymore because we also, spend a lot of time just riding for the pure joy of it and for out of this sense of curiosity of like what happens if I go over there to this part of the map that I've never been 
And I think that it's that passion and and love and inspiration for just riding on trails in wild landscapes that has really fueled this um, belief in the backcountry team and how there is space for racing if you want to race to experience that landscape, but also for riding and going on these adventure rides to new or just familiar but loved places. And then using that passion and inspiration to direct toward trail and climate advocacy or just putting energy to making sure that those landscapes and that experience continues to exist. Yeah. And with support too, which Mm -hmm. is hard to do by yourself. Um, Totally. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. And that's really cool. And, um, and it also inspires people like me uh, to get out there and to explore you know, further beyond my oh, comfort zone, you know? That's awesome. That yeah, makes me happy yeah. that's what we want to do. <laughs> totally. Um, and, I th- and I think I can speak for a lot of people on that as well. Like I look up to you too. And like, and it's also, you know, in a way it's, it's a super cool, on the outside, it looks really cool too. Pivot pro backcountry team, you know? And you're like, <laughs> man, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah. it's, it's funny, a mentor, when we just launched the, uh, announced the team for this year, a mentor was like, wow, you all are creating a new genre of athlete. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know totally. if that's our intention, but maybe it is. And if anything, I just hope that that means that other people see that like doing what we're doing, like riding trails for the love of riding trails and for the love of the landscape is like just as valid <laughs> as being an aspiring pro race athlete yeah you just and it's interesting because to get to that level of um quote-unquote pro Mm -hmm. you have to ride a lot of trails (laughs) you know I think the love of the trail comes first and then you you just get good at it through trial and error and practice but then you you grow a a a really deep love for the outdoors and the single Mm -hmm. track whenever I mean to be a pro skier you know it's the same thing it's right they just love skiing so much you go and go and go and all of a sudden it's like oh wow I'm actually really good at this sport yeah you have a resume that you didn't even realize you were building (laughs) yeah yeah and that's um yeah and and you well you said you know you're building a genre it's kind of Mm -hmm. funny it's like it's super appealing even for like marathon you know I race at the pro level at, as like a marathon. So anywhere from 50 mm-hmm. to hundred miles, yeah. 150 miles. If we're on the gravel bike, maybe further mm-hmm. than that, but pushing, right. you know, pushing as hard as you can. And for me, I mean, I was like, oh man, it, that sounds really cool to maybe <laughs> let's expand uh, 50 miles or hundred miles and let's put a few bags on there and let's see if yeah. we go further. And, and totally, yeah. And let's see if, you know, how does or two like- hours... Yeah, like 50 or 100 miles on trail that you have no idea what's out there and like you don't know anyone who's ridden it. That is a whole, uh, also just a really compelling experience of being like, wow, this is pretty wild to have my bike out here. Yeah. And like, I don't know if I'll recommend it, but (laughs) really glad I tried. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully my GPS. It's just a gem. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully my GPS is good and hopefully I'm in the right spot and I got enough water and food. Cause mm-hmm. that's also a thing is you go into these blind and you know, I, you could run out of food or you could run out of water, totally. which is kind of scary. And a lot of people that's an uncomfort, you know, for a yeah. lot of. 
Totally. And that's where like part of this team, like Kurt and I try in addition to advocacy, but we just try to use our platforms and the various opportunities we have to engage with other organizations or sponsors to like share some of that knowledge to help empower people. Because like for me, all of those kind of back injury skills came from a career in outdoor education. And I know it is such a barrier. And like, I think that, I mean, even just a post I shared yesterday about the picket post to Kelvin ride, someone was like, this is awesome. Thanks. And can you share like what you bring bikepacking? Cause like, I just want to know what to pack. I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like the information, I mean, there's a lot of information out on the internet, but I think that something that we can do and we're trying to do is to share our expertise in a way that is hopefully <laughs> trustworthy and reliable to people. Because um, it just has taken over a decade to build up that level of kind of competence to be like, okay, I know I can go out for a day and I'm not going to run out of food. Or I know where I can find water and I know where I might not find water. And so this is how much I need. And that sort of skill set and knowledge can give people the confidence to go out and have these really incredible and sometimes life-changing experiences in a way that isn't as stressful and doesn't also also isn't a liability. Totally. And giving people an outlet to um, accomplish something that they'd look up to, like the Arizona Trail, you know, like two years ago, I couldn't even even wrap my mind around it. Like, um, there's no way I'd ever do that. Mm -hmm. Um, first off, it was the information. I didn't know truly what it took. Mm -hmm. Um, gear wise has have no idea. And then also I didn't know what my body was capable at that time either. And, you know, what's really cool is you can have someone who is quite new to the sport and, you know, look up to people like you and Kurt and, you know, these people, these advocates for the, for the backcountry to push, the limits of a bike ride, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what you do is it's your bike rides are not a bike ride anymore. It's a, it's a full <laughs> excursion and an, mm. an adventure, you know? So yeah. I think people look at that as something that's um, completely out there, but have mm. the information to, to do it themselves. Totally. Yeah. It's interesting. Like thinking about that. Um, I think that it's easy especially in the world of social media to like compare ourselves to other people and to look at, and I know I do this and I'm sure people look at me and do this as well. that be like, Oh, that's amazing. And I could never do that. Like I'm so far from that. And I think it's interesting because like, it's really an experience that we're going for. And so if for me, if it takes to have a certain kind of really empowering and inspiring experience looks like X number of hours or time or like ruggedness of a trail like all that matters is that you're getting that experience of being really excited and maybe a little like on the edge of your comfort zone, just enough to like be peaking, you know, in a good way, not in a traumatizing way. Yeah. And to leave feeling inspired and like wanting to do it again and wanting to like having a deep appreciation for that place and the bike. And so if, someone is listening is like oh well like there's no way I'm gonna go do like a 12-hour AZT ride or a multi-day ride that's great and like you can start with maybe it's a three-hour ride and it involves carrying water for that amount of time and being 
somewhere where there isn't cell service for an hour. Or maybe it's like going to a trailhead and just riding somewhere new by yourself. Like it doesn't matter what on paper it looks like. It's it's more like the quality of the experience that matters. And I think as you do that more and more, just what it takes to have that experience takes more and more. <laughs> yeah. Like it's um, a complete, it's completely different for everyone. Like mm-hmm. yourself, you know, you, you have to be on that. I'm sure that edge of like, Ooh, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep pushing to have that, you know, full exhilarating experience. And that I'm the same way too. I think I'd go, go into these adventures of like, I also kind of want to see how quickly I can do it because that's also pushing my physical body as well right. as like getting out there. And a lot of people, it's it might just be, like you said, going and doing a trail that you've never done before mm-hmm. and just seeing what seeing what happens. And then yeah. knowing that you get back to your car safely um, is the first step. And it was in my experience. I mean, I remember when I just didn't even want to go up Schultz Creek, you know, um, because I was like, oh, well, I don't know where it goes. I'm going to mm-hmm. get lost. Totally. Now you just know, you know, as experience, you, right. you just learn that it's, it's safe. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go farther or deeper. <laughs> to get that and then once it's safe, again. I want to try to find the unsafe. But uh, it's and also, also an interesting, like, I can totally relate at, with a deep race background of like the desire to constantly be pushing my body and like that is my default and in in this team and like thinking about our mission and our philosophy and then also just like my background coming from some injuries like it's been really interesting and cool to realize that like I can have a really meaningful and very fulfilling experience without reaching my physical limit on a ride you know which can either come from like the mental engagement of technical riding um, or just like the connection of sharing a ride with someone. And like the, cause I don't know about you, but I feel like some of the best experiences I have with people are like actually sharing movement in mountains over like a cup of coffee or a dinner. Like those are great too, but there's something about getting to share those experiences with other people that, um, even if they're at a different physical level, like I can walk away and be like, that was an amazing ride. And like, I didn't need to feel like I was at my max heart rate or like setting a personal record in any way for it to be even a higher quality quality experience. And you usually remember those mm-hmm. more than the time you totally. got an FKT. It's because- Yeah, I, it's know, so true. <laughs> right? The body, yeah. I think has a good- yeah. Uh, me and my partner, we were just talking about this. She just had a baby mm-hmm. and Congratulations. Was, thank you. Yeah. And she was just like, ah, you know, what's crazy. I think, I think we just forget like things that really were hard. We forget mm-hmm. because we keep wanting to do it. Cause she's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, we could have another one. I'm like, ah, let's, let's, let's wait a little <laughs> I bit. I think but... there's biology to that in particular. <laughs> and that one, yes. But you know, um, when it comes to endurance sports, why do we keep doing hard yeah. things? But because we forget it and we want to try it again because it, it sounds fun always. And we always want to have fun. Um, but, you know, what you're saying is I think we do appreciate and in my experience as well, we, had, we, I cherish, yeah, getting out and being with another person, but we remember it. That, that was the moral of the story is we re- remember those more than we do totally. hard stuff. 
Well, I think that's why so many people do race bikes is because there is a collective group of people doing something hard together. And you get in a lot of things that stand out from races is like the conversation that I had with that person during that moment, you know, or like, and I think that, I mean, that is incredibly fun and rewarding, but you can also have that without races, you know, like sharing 100%. something hard with other people and yeah. where you're both pushing yourself, whether it's mentally or physically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's the cool thing about races that I truly appreciate too, is the, the coordination that comes into these events, you know, and, mm -hmm. and what it truly takes to put on like the whiskey off road, you know, yeah. like it's truly amazing. You get a, you get a bunch of like-minded individuals together in one area and three or four hours of the whole event is bike riding. And other, other than that, it's, you know, having a beer with the guy you just struggled up um, Skull Valley yeah. with, you know, and then you can like truly have a connection with. Um, but yeah, it's um, community is, is definitely, I think a big part of why I think all of us race bikes, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of times I'm out there by myself, you know, and I'm sure you yeah. can relate to is <laughs> uh, I think I ride my bike more by myself than I do with friends, mm -hmm. but I think it's also for my own, my own, my own sake, you know, it's more yeah. of a spiritual um, getaway, I guess. Yeah. It's multi-layered. Yeah. Um, and I want to, I want to ask you about your experience from, you know, your accident, mm -hmm. um, and, and what kind of you went through coming into the process of now riding your bike. And cause it sounded like you didn't, didn't think you'd walk or touch the bike. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. How, how oh, what's up, dude? <laughs> we got a, a cute just dog just welcome. popped in. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh man. I mean, so yeah, I guess, the backstory is for a little over four years ago, I was in a car accident that um very lucky to have survived. I um shattered my pelvis, broke my sacrum and my fibula and ruptured my bladder. Um and for a little while in that time I didn't know well, like in the immediate accident, I didn't know if I was paralyzed or not because I couldn't feel anything from my waist down. Um, which could be a sign of that. And then until for another 24-ish hours, I didn't know what really was wrong. Um, and if I'd be able to walk or bike or race bikes again. And amazingly, my doctor was like, oh, you can have a full recovery. And I was like, well, what does that look like exactly? Like I'm expecting to uh, go defend this like 24-hour world championship title that I just earned. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, you can probably do that. But I don't think that it's very common for that to be a goal when you shatter your pelvis. It's also not very common to want to race 24-hour races. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're going to... <laughs> The doctor was like, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> so, uh, I do credit him with him. I do credit him with being like on board to entertain the idea. And for me, I had a really miraculously smooth recovery, which was like one part, just luck of having incredible care and incredible surgeons and falling into the hands of like, apparently a very rare, and high, high, uh, 
highly qualified physical therapist here in a very small valley um, who specialize in, specializes in pelvises. <laughs> um, yeah, amazing. Right place and at I the just, right time. Totally. And I just saw her yeah. yesterday. Like she is a sponsor of our team. <laughs> nice. Um, and so, yeah, so really high care, also some incredible community support. Like at the time I was living paycheck to paycheck between contracts and really just trying to make this transition to racing professionally and a GoFundMe raised a lot of money for me to get through that recovery period. Um, cause I've only ever worked using my body. <laughs> and so to suddenly be in a wheelchair, you know, it's like, well, I don't know how to make any money now. <laughs> yeah. And and then I think I also just like have learned a lot through both bike racing and adventure riding and bike packing and, uh, and outdoor education. And I just put every tool that I've ever learned into healing. And then that was everything from mindset to just discipline and like dealing with hard times, um, which is a lot harder in real life challenges than like, you know, when you're just getting rained on and you're cold, <laughs> but it is transferable. And that's like, the cool thing is that's kind of one of the foundation foundations of outdoor education is like, if you kind of put yourself in these more challenging situations intentionally, then you develop the skills to like be a leader or just, um, a, a successful person in real life. And so I got to live that firsthand and ended up being able to go bikepacking um maybe like five months later and did like a cross-country race that summer and was just slowly rebuilding and rebuilding and to not draw this out forever ended up so that the accident was the end of 2018 and so then in November of 2020 um I went and set a FKT on the Cocopelli Trail which for me is a pretty short distance <laughs> um but that was 13 hours and 130 five miles. Um, and I really thought that that was like, in a way it felt like a huge, um, kind of milestone and conclusion to my recovery. But really interestingly, since then I've just continued to struggle with like tendonitis and arthritis and just all these kind of lingering effects of the car accident, which I think are like exacerbated by how much I ask of my body. So I have returned to like fairly normal amount of exercise and training. Um, but in part because of the pandemic and in part because of these ongoing little niggles, we call them, um, I never got to, I had not gotten to a place where I raced anything longer than 13 hours until this May. And this May I went back to 24 hour world championships, um, which I had won in 2018. And I was the fittest I've ever been in my life. And I really believed that I was ready to go and win it again. And after 12 hours, my body just completely shut down and I couldn't stand on one leg and had shooting pain from like my mid back all the way down to my feet. And my physical therapist was there, Kelly, she was with me in Italy and she's like, you're not getting back on your bike. <laughs> this is it. And yeah. in that moment, I was just like, okay, I, that is easy. Like I'm in so much pain. I'm never going to ask, put my body in this place again. And I just then and there decided I was done with ultras in part because during that was a, at that point that was three and a half years. And there's so much that you can do shorter than ultra racing. Um, 
on the bike and there's so much joy and like in all that time that I wasn't racing ultras I was living a very full life and very healthy life as an athlete and loving just riding my bike and my rides are generally a lot shorter than they had been pre-accident and by a lot I mean like I don't do 10 hour rides for fun <laughs> I do yeah. five hour rides for fun and that's enough um that's a lot and I go yeah and I go yeah. amazing places and I have a blast and then I come home and I recover and I feel great the next day and so mm -hmm. and I feel so lucky that I get to do that because I recognize that that is very I'm very lucky and it's it didn't necessarily have to be that way and during the 24 hour race, it was around hour 12 where your mm -hmm. body was done. Mm -hmm. Um, what was your mindset like at that point? Um, mm, I think it was like really conflicted because on one hand, I, I know like so much of endurance racing is a mind thing. And like, if you're mentally strong enough, you can get yourself to do a lot. And I have done that before. And I think that, so on one hand, it was like, do I just tough this out? Like, do I just need to like grit my teeth and be okay with how I am feeling and get this done for that desire to like show everyone that I can, you know, because like everyone for the last three and a half years, it's been like, you're going to do this. You're going to get back and race worlds and be an elite ultra racer again. And like, you can do it. And you've inspired so many people by being unlimited you know and like and I know that's still true but there's just this like I was really was holding on to this feeling like that that race would like show everyone including myself and then on the other hand I was in this very opposite headspace of being like wow I don't need to do this like I my body has been through so much and I'm so grateful for everything it has done and I can stop right now and continue to have a very long healthy life as an athlete I don't need to a result to have my job <laughs> to have the love of my community and my friends and my partners and my sponsors like I know that and that's such a gift too to be an a professional athlete and know that if I could walk away from this and no one is going to bat an eye um and that's ultimately what I landed on um and I just I feel really grateful that like it was only just it's like an internal battle <laughs> that I had to yeah. work through, you know, and, and to and, remember that like our identity isn't tied up in, um, what we do or say we do or the results we get. And it can even be like, my identity is this one race. Cause it right. could be that real, you know, as, as someone going through it, your whole identity at that time could have been this race mm -hmm. and, and the mental battle I'm sure you had, I, I just, yeah. cause and you're defending a spot, you know, like you've so won it before. I, yeah. And it was interesting. I didn't know, like, I hadn't really thought about like, how would I feel if I didn't win? I just, and I think in a way, sometimes you just go into things like being prepared for uh, what you're ready to do. And I was riding with the other woman who was leading with me. We were both at the front of the race and really it was only just like in the pit that we'd kind of like come together and then spread back out a little bit. And I got to have this experience where it's like, if I stop now, <laughs> like Chelsea is going to have this. And 
barring that nothing extreme happens, like that she continues riding for the next 12 hours. And I just had this feeling of like being really happy for her because I know what it feels like to win that sort of race and what it can do for your career and just like that sense of gratitude that you get from all the people that helped you achieve that. And it helped a lot to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to get that again, but I'm really psyched that she is because we had gotten to ride together quite a bit. We even pre-wrote the course together um, because she was one one of the only other Americans there. And I was like, oh, you speak English. This is great. (laughs) We can go ride bikes. (laughs) Because I've been in Italy by myself, not talking to anyone. Yeah. Just giving like a... (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I just remember this feeling of like, in a way, it's just this feeling of like really letting go of like, okay, that's not going to be me. This isn't my story anymore. And I'm so happy for her because I know what it feels like. And it's really special that not a lot of people get to experience. That's powerful. Yeah. And and for you, I'm sure there was a bunch of weight lifted off of your shoulders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you said, this is not my race. I'm, I'm cool yeah. with that. Like, as soon as I think, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer. As soon as you say it, mm-hmm. it's like, that's it, kind of the truth, right? Like, um, you can yeah. think all you want, but as soon as it comes out of your mouth, it's like, you spoke it to the universe. Yeah, but then when real. you said, okay, I'm done. I'm sure it was like, yeah, just the it was weight relieving. lifted off. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, putting a lot of pressure on yourself to ask your body to do such a demanding task, you know, it almost was respectful mm-hmm. for your, for yourself too. Totally. Yeah. Um, but moving back to the FKT on the Cocopelli trail, I, I would imagine that was kind of a really powerful experience for you just I mean, mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, just to go out and not only do the Cocopelli, but to do the FKT, especially after recovering from what you've been through in the last few years. Yeah, that was really amazing. And I think getting to do that before Worlds, like really kind of brief, like that set the stage for that experience at Worlds, like still being a positive one because I had had that experience at Cocopelli where I was like, oh, I've still got this. And like, and it's not just that I can still ride my bike fast, but it's like, I am still capable of a type of challenge that is just really fulfilling for me. Cause like ultra racing is one part physical, but it is also so mental. Like to just go be by yourself, especially with a individual time trial, like to be by yourself and just be kind of focusing on your goal and like do riding your own ride and it was that was really a huge um so I had a huge sense of accomplishment for that and just like gratitude for getting to do that in a way that like I think I'd still be happy if I like didn't even have like do another 12 hour length FKT like that one I was like oh like in a way it's like this control thing where I'm like, oh, that car accident didn't stop me from that. Like I was able to go back and race my bike again in this style. And now I get to choose if I want to continue to. Yeah. It was not as much of a choice, <laughs> which yeah. is also a good lesson. You know, I think that um, a lot of athletes have like a lot of tendencies to like be fairly perfectionist oriented and like there you know there's a whole thing of like control the controllable and for me with this ultra racing 
journey, it's been like control the controllable and some things you can't control. Mm -hmm. And that might be that my body isn't up for that anymore. Yeah. It also could have been just uh, the the way of the day. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, if maybe another time it would have, it would have, your body would have complied. Right. I, yeah. I it's think, an interesting to think about too. Yeah. Cause um, not that go out there and do it again. I'm not saying <laughs> right. that, you know, but no. I do sometimes the, the nervous system um, traveling or getting mm -hmm. out of whack. Cause I, you know, I think we put so much emphasis on, it was our muscles and it was our training. And, right. But really like, how was the nervous system? Like, yeah, which is interesting because they do think they being physical therapists and orthopedists and whatnot do think that it does have this nervous system thing, which is in part because my sacrum is fused. And I think that they, I think there's like a lot that gets bound up in fascia and ultimately anyway, yes, I mean, I'm with you. It's not as maybe as simple as just a muscle, but it, it's also interesting because this experience has really both the car accident and then also the recovery. And now this, like, as a result of these attempts to race ultras, now I'm like, well, I'm going to do other things. And by choosing to close some doors, we open all these other ones, you know, and I've found myself in the last eight months in just this different headspace around how I'm pursuing riding my bike, how I'm thinking about my career and just like my general well-being in general of just being like, wow, it's kind of, there's a, there is a sense of relief to be like, okay, like I have closed that chapter and I feel really happy with how I closed it. And with that, I get to start a new one. And there's mm -hmm. so much excitement to that. And I think that sometimes, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 35. <laughs> and which as far as like professional athletes go, like it's not the youngest, <laughs> It's also not the oldest, um, but it's an interesting time to think about like changing things, you know, and it's easy to get caught up in like what we did and what we did well and wanting to hold on to that. And I think part of this backcountry team is like also just letting go of like, like it is very intentionally not a professional ultra racing team or professional bikepacking team. Cause while both Kurt and I have done a lot of that and still do some of that, it is more than that because of this um like opportunity for a new chapter I, I really like that um and with the new chapter comes way more opportunities that you would have never thought of and that helps me too because I have this identity of like well I you know I I'm a marathon racer like I need a, an mm -hmm. on a mountain bike but yeah. what about yeah what about what about a road bike I'd be fun that would be fun or totally even the ultra racing. Yeah. You still get to race marathons if you want to. That's the cool thing. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you still can. Like, the, yeah. that wasn't taken away from you. Um, so, yeah. And with the pro backcountry team, that's also interesting that it's not solely focused on ultras. Um, and because it's you and Kurt, you know, it's like, well, that's that's a very ultra based, you know, backcountry pro team, even though you guys do do that. Um, it's cool to see that it's, it's not quite that. Um, and what does that look like for you right now? Like day to day right now, or no, like more like yeah, this year, to, like this year, I mean, you yeah. know, you, you're kind of 
not closing the door or well, closing the door for ultras and then mm-hmm. um what what does kate look forward to then right yeah that's thanks for asking that um because i'm looking forward to a lot my biggest challenge this year with my calendar is like i want to do everything <laughs> that isn't an ultra race because there yeah. it's that idea of new possibilities you know and so this year my calendar and like the things that i'm putting the most energy into are a balance of some a couple races that are a style that i've either never done or like an event that i've always heard is just really amazing and fun and classic so like the downyville classic um have you been to that no i've been hearing for years that is just a classic and not just because of the racing the racing sounds hilarious and really fun, but also it just sounds like a huge community event and it's in this area of California that I haven't been with this trail network that the trail organizations there poured a ton of energy into investing in trail building as a way to revitalize these old mining towns. And this tiny little town of Downeyville, California, apparently just like opens up the doors to all these cyclists and there's just like a big bike mountain bike festival over the course of like four days and then the racing is there's a cross-country race and then there's like a kind of enduro-esque downhill race and if you do both you have to race the enduro-esque downhill race on the same bike that you race the cross-country race on nice the overall winner is dubbed the all mountain world championship champion which i think is hilarious and just kind of (laughs) up my alley like sure i'll go ride technical trails downhill on my cross-country bike that sounds really fun (laughs) my goodness yeah all right um like that is exciting to me um what is it called downyville downyville yep i gotta look into that too it's been it hasn't happened in a few years i think in part because of the pandemic and so it's back this year um yeah i'm psyched about that um oh this will be kind of in your former backyard but vapor trail is a long very long bike yeah. race <laughs> um and pretty like grassroots and underground it starts at like 10 p.m and is like 100 i think it might be 125 miles like in around the salida area um mm-hmm. and that's just been one that because of the landscape i've been wanting to do it for a while and um i think we still need dates for this next year but that's something i'd love to do and then a style of racing that I'm just starting to dabble in that sounds really fun are these blind format backcountry enduros, which are basically these like big days on the bike, like four to six hours. Um, almost most courses are mostly pedaling. Sometimes they'll like shuttle you up to a high point to start. And then it's like an up down type profile for the rest of the day. And the blind format part is that they don't release the course until like the day or so before the event. And so you don't get to go pre-ride any of it. And so you're going in and you just like read and run. Um, And the backcountry part is like, they're not in bike parks, you know, like some indoors are in bike parks. So these are more like hiking trails, biking trails, like more backcountry stuff, riding. Um, And the thing that I like about those is for my body is that like, it's the longer days on the bike, but not with like the, quite the toll of being on the gas for all of that those hours that you're riding like you get you stop and hang out and socialize and then mm-hmm. you race downhill and then you pedal for a while uphill again and repeat 
Um, and I think their stage racing in general, I've learned is like really fun because of the community element, you know, like you ride your bikes all day and then you hang out with all the people and camp together, eat together. So yeah, those are the race goals. Um, on the adventure side, like the, this last year, Kurt and I went to the Alps for three weeks, um, which was amazing. It was like a Mm -hmm. life bucket list type trip. And this year I was like, well, I don't think I have like a three week trip in me that's on a international scale. Um, but I do want to make an intention to go do one overnight every month. Um, whether it's on skis or bike or feet, um, because while I don't spend as much time on these like mega bikepacking trips as I did maybe five years ago, like ultimately I just love camping <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think, and I love camping with people and with my dog. And so just having that little like extra incentive for me to be like, okay, this, I'm going to make an, in- an effort to go make these smaller trips happen because Sometimes I think it's easy for people to get right off the overnighter, you know, because like it kind of still takes the same amount of packing as a longer trip. Um, but it's also hard to create the time in a full adult life to just go on week long trips all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot of value to be like, okay, like my partner works Monday through Friday, but we can still go out. Like we're going this Friday, Friday afternoon, and then coming back Saturday evening. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, and then Kurt is biking on the complete opposite uh, note of me. Kurt is bikepacking the entire continental divide this summer um, Mm -hmm. from Canada to Mexico on the hiking trail, not the dirt road tour divide route. And so I'm going to join him. Um, My bigger adventure trip of the summer will be going out with him for a week, probably in Colorado. Um, Cool. Because my one lingering goal from ultra racing that I never got to accomplish was setting a record on the Colorado trail. And I'm not going to go do that, but I do want to go ride it. Um, cause I haven't ridden it since 2013 in entirety mm-hmm. and his CDT route will use the Colorado trail for that section. So I'm going to go so bike back the Colorado trail. Oh man, that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and then advocacy wise, like more, um, bike alliance members athlete alliance members for protect our winners and opportunities to collaborate with them and um elevate their messaging come up throughout the year and so i'm excited to see what's in store with that and trying to figure out a way um if anyone listening is like a video producer in that world trying to figure out a way to create this how-to series um for all those backcountry mountain bike skills Oh, sweet. So if yeah. you're a video um, guru, um, message Kate <laughs> or me and yes. we'll get you, we'll get you a fun project. Um, sweet. So you're shifting in, in a new way for Kate. Um, and it sounds fun. It doesn't sound like, oh man, I was an ultra athlete and now I'm doing uh, double ultras, which is going to be way harder and way, <laughs> way, way more demanding. <sighs> you're doing something that's going to be fun and fulfilling. And, um, I'm excited to, to follow you and hopefully, uh, 
what is that one? The the Downey the one in Downeyville. California. Downeyville. Okay. Yeah. I'll so send you, you uh, the link when we hang up. Yeah. After this, yeah, just text me the link because I'll uh I want to check that one out for sure. That one sounds right up my alley. Um, because I want to be a World Cup champion. Yeah. Is it called the World Cup champion? Uh oh, the, I think that they call it the All Mountain World Champion. All Mountain yeah, World Champion. Very specific. I think. <laughs> it's uh i'm going for that title (laughs) and then i'm quitting (laughs) um well sweet uh let me see what are we at um well okay i i think we hit everything that i wanted to cover um that conversation was awesome is there anything else you want to kind of throw at the people's minds (laughs) oh man um if you're excited to do more backcountry routing, both Kurt and I are sharing a route every month um, on our website through Ride with GPS. Um, so if you need some inspiration for places to go or places to plan trips around for these rides, um, there'll be two every month since we're both doing that. And that'll those include like a GPX file, for navigating it'll include any pertinent logistics or um bike recommendations and so we're just trying to help lower those barriers a little bit through that you know like races will provide a route and information you need to know but some of the intimidating things that we talked about earlier of like not knowing how much water you need or like what bike should I ride or is there a shuttle? You know, like those things. We're and are you, are, are you giving that information too with these posts is like giving them, okay, mm-hmm. you should bring two meals and four liters. Yeah. Or just like an amount of time, you know, to expect, um, and, and information on water. Um, and then also with that, like, if there are any details, like they're all routes that we've written. Um, so you're welcome to reach out to us cool with any questions um and i'm gonna throw that link in uh, the show notes so people can have that as well um and any um any website that you think you know would be helpful or your website if you have a website um i'll throw in the show notes as well so um you can just send me all those fun links for everyone to to click on awesome um yeah super excited to follow you and kurt with the pro backcountry pivot team um, and to see what you guys do. I think Kurt here soon is going to be doing the Alaska. He's mm-hmm. going to go to Alaska in the winter time. Yeah. And then bike. Soon. <laughs> Crazy. He was telling me yeah, that. Yeah. Riding uh, the length of the Iditarod. Yes. And he, um, he went, he's going to be on the podcast when he gets back. Um, nice. Oh, that'd yes. be fun. Yeah. 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 I think we're making a good team in the way that we're just like doing pretty different things this year. Last mm-hmm. year we did a lot of similar things, but this year it's like pretty different, which I think further just hopefully shows like this can look a lot of different ways. Totally. <laughs> the That's really like cool. Riding bikes in wild places, mostly trail riding, but having fun and bringing people together and advocating yeah. for um, this big blue ball that we have fun yeah. on, which is oh. the most important thing. So, so good. <laughs> yes all right well Kate thank you so much for um, talking to me today and taking the time um, I'm sure all the listeners I especially loved hearing your story so um, mm, thank you so thank much you. yeah thanks, thanks for let me know if you're in Arizona I'm, I'm I will yeah so. I'll let you know when I visit Arizona this spring and hopefully okay. I'll see you at Downeyville too all right we'll get we'll get on the bike then yeah
Talk Alrighty. soon. All right. Bye, Bye. Kate.